0: Log Talk Radio.
1: started when I was five, hired out to watch a baby, and they beat me when they cried, I considered that too much of a price, even though I'm thick-skinned, some of the scars stayed with me for life, I ain't never been the type to spin around to the other chiefs, putting up a fight to me, and my people's all a free, four brothers, four sisters, thick family, I'm the fourth child, you follow them mathematically, guards in my veins, I can feel it in my soul, three, older sisters never seen again when they were sold, when they came for my brother, my mom's made them a promise, whoever tried to take them, she Splitting open your noggins Mommy was a rider Spiritual advisor Security provider That's why I'm a live wire When they ain't take my brother I felt the power inside of me Influenced by the moment I'll never settle for slavery Heavy metal weight In my head as a teen Now was seizures Dr. and strange dreams From the tribe of Asante to Through grandma Modesty Being free holding my own Just a part of me You thinking about coming after me Better bring your faculty 20 miles away Before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train. And it's like I'm the conductor. I ain't never lost a passenger. I'm plotting on my escape, and I'm married. and feeling patient. I'm outy with no debating. You silly for conversating. I'm breaking, and while you waiting, and I make it. I'll be sure to get the safest route to travel and be back where you was based. September seventeenth, eighteen forty nine. Me and my brothers Henry and Ben said it's mine, so we left for Maryland, headed towards freedom land. But they feet chilled up, so we turned around and went back to the owners. Believe me, I didn't wanna. Had I knew my brothers. Was scared we in the bottom A little while later Man I ran away again But this time Straight Dolo fan back to the wind In the middle of the night In the winter In the cold I was navigating On the underground railroad Nah It ain't a literal train It's a form of resistance This was the railroad thing So a station's a safe house Where the runaways go And the runaway slaves Are considered cargo The person who hit him Considered a station master And the stockholder's the one who will put the cash up Me and the cond- I transported the cargo routes that I took remain secret. I took an old boss of so my train you get on. There is no rebelling. Grown man said he turning back and I had to tell him. Fam, why you had me bring the metal out? Cock it back, pointed at your head and bring the devil out. There's no going back. Besides, you going snitch, and I'll kill you where you stand before you sing behind the whip. Running from slave catches, a bounty on my head. Until my whole fam free. I don't really care. Had a 10 year span with 19 or so trips. I done free so many Slaves they calling me Moses during the Civil War Because of my skills, I became the first woman to lead a armed assault I am Harriet Tubman, you need to fall back a conductor I never ran my train off the track You thinking about coming after me, better bring your faculty 20 miles away before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train and it's something like traffic. I'm Harriet the conductor, I ain't never lost a passenger
2: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Rodney Smith in the air chair today. Welcome to another edition, actually our first episode of Our Own Voices Live for 2022. And this is going to be a community show today dealing with an issue associated with the West Las Vegas Libraries move from its current location to a place we believe in Legacy Park. What does that mean for the community? What does that mean for the operation of the library? Has the community been apprised of this move? We're going to get into that and some more. And and I see there's some callers on the line. Some of you are just listening, and I think some of you may have comments. But let me just give you a brief introduction uh, to our show a little further. Uh, Once again, my name is Rodney Smith. I'm in the air chair today. And our topic is the West Las Vegas Library Community Discussion. And for those of you who are on already, if you want to talk, if you're not just listening, if you want to talk and you're calling in on the phone, press one on your keypad, and that will let me know that you want to get in and comment. And then after you're done, press the one again, and that will mute you. And that way we can keep the flow of calls uh, going. And the call-in number, uh, once again, for those of you who may be listening on your computer instead of your phone, is area code five one six five three one nine five three five. Once again, that's five one six five three one nine five three five. And if and I'll repeat that again, but once again, five one six. 531-9535, and don't forget to press one if you want to talk. So a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America could be the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the cultural and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And you know what that bridge is? That bridge is us. So this is something that I do not do on my own. As a matter of fact, it was brought to my attention by someone who's very important to me. Uh, Some people say elder, and though he is an elder of mine, uh, he's also someone that someone who is more than an elder to me, and that was the late and great Sam Smith, who used to always ask me, do you know this guy? Every time I see Sam, he would ask me, have you met this guy yet? And he would always tell me about that guy. Well, that guy is going to be on the show today. He's going to sort of, I'm going to try to stick to the boards and keep the show going. He'll be doing most of the work, so we'll be co-emceeing the show, co-hosting Uh, The show today and I did speak about Sam Smith Wednesday was the seven year anniversary of his transition to be with the ancestors and reading and books was very important to him so it didn't take much for my co-host to get me to do this show so there could be community input and speaking of this guy this guy is the one and only the indomitable a living history maker. He's still living and he's still making history the first African American male principal from outside of this area. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Al Gourier.
3: Dr. Gourier, Dr. Thank G? Thank you, Rodney. Thank you very much. Uh good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, uh in our listening audience. Um not new to this experience having been a DJ for 30 years in my previous life so I'm I'm quite at home. First of all I want to thank uh Rodney and our own voices and the Black Radio Network for allowing us the opportunity to conduct this activity today. As I, as Rodney indicated, I'm Dr. Al Gurrier the president and founder of the Samuel L. Smith Educational Foundation. Rodney made reference to a gentleman he revered and respected, and so did I, and so did many other people, who made great contributions to this community. He was Samuel Lawrence Smith. He was a fireman, but he couldn't extinguish the fire in his heart to make a difference in this community. He was an advocate for educational, cultural, and economic development and a true drum major for social justice in the West Las Vegas area and the entire county. His entire life effort was to strive to establish a growth pattern with his community. And he accomplished this by inspiring, empowering, and contributing his every human resource to the betterment of our community. He inspired lifelong learning, advanced knowledge, and strengthened cultural awareness throughout the African American community. Last night, as we paid tribute to our fallen leader on the seventh anniversary of his transition, I made the statement that Samuel L. Smith was the most brilliant black man I ever met in my life. And he was an asset to the African American community. He motivated his brothers and sisters to move from poverty to a life of creativity, sharing, and innovation. And to those of us whose lives he touched, we have come to be known as the children of the Native Son. And some of you may be familiar with his Native Son bookstore, which he opened at 1301 D Street to share his knowledge, his information, and his books with this community. And to those of us who are disciples of the Native Son, that man who gave this unselfishness, we feel that it is our obligation that we continue and find a way of sustaining his sacrifice and effort and commitment to this community. And so to sustain the effort of Samuel L. Smith, we have established the Samuel L. Smith Educational Foundation with the vision of educating, empowering, and uniting the historic West Las Vegas community. Our mission will basically be to improve the quality of life for poor and disadvantaged children and families, and hence all children and families in the Las Vegas Valley. And it is that through that effort and that group that we gather today to talk about uh, something that was very close to both Sam and myself. It has come to our attention that the city of Las Vegas has made a plan to build a new library in the West Las Vegas community. The present library created at 951 West Lake Mead Boulevard is on on property owned by the Las Vegas Library District. When I came to Las Vegas, I was recruited by the Clark County School District to be a principal here as Rodney indicated earlier. And when I came here, I began to conduct Kwanzaa and other cultural activities, Sankofa, and other historical activities and events in the West Las Vegas Library. At the time, we had a very small facility with approximately two meeting rooms. It really wasn't enough for our community. So we appealed to the library district to find a way to build the facility that would allow us to Accommodate more of our citizenry Of course initially they refused But after persistence And the organization of a committee Which myself, Wendell Williams And a number of other people were a part of We prevailed in convincing The library district To build a theater Begrudgingly They built a theater About a 300 and some odd in Adjacent to the West Las Vegas Library and we, over the last 25 we, we built that library, oh, I'd say almost exactly 25 years ago. The theater, the library had been in, in existence for a number of years. But we were able to get the library theater built around 1992, 1993. We completed the negotiation with the library district, and we got the library theater built. In the last 25 years, which is a generation, the block of 900 on West Lake Mead Boulevard has become the cultural center of us as African-American people in this community. By example, last week uh, we had three performances, free and open to our citizenry, at the West Las Vegas Library Theater. I am here today to make an appeal, not as the president of the Samuel L. Smith Foundation, not as some guy who doesn't even live in West Las Vegas, but as a citizen, taxpayer of the city of Las Vegas, where I do reside. Because although I don't live and have never lived on the West Side, it is the place where I go to get my black soul rejuvenated. And the West Las Vegas Library and Art Center are the places that for the last generation has nourished and helped our community thrive and grow to be a meaningful, constructive place for black people to do constructive things. So we're at a point now where the winds of change have shifted. And while we're in West Las Vegas, we are not Las Vegas. We are not the prevailing philosophy where we blow it up and start all over again. As African Americans, we are people who revere and respect our history and our ancestry and those who have gone before us. And we look to them to give us direction as to where we are going to go in the future. So the fact that the city in its wisdom wants to build us a 21st century library in our community, we say great, wonderful. But we do not want to destroy or lose one of the most valuable human spaces for African-American people, and that is the West Las Vegas Library, Theater, and Art Center. Now, one of the reasons why I asked Rodney to join us in this discussion today is because I've been receiving calls from people. They say to me, oh, Dr. Gurrier, I hear they're going to tear the library and the, um, the art center down to build a parking lot for uh, some million-dollar basketball court that they're building. And then I get another call from someone else that said, oh, no, I hear that they're going to uh, sell that building to some private entity for a dollar a year. No. Whatever, we don't know what they're going to do, Okay. There is a thing everybody I've called, i called Mr. Watson, who is a black man who was in charge of the library at this time, and he said to me, Dr. Gurrier, it is a plan that I found when I was hired here last year that has been in motion for a number of years. True, there is a plan, but the question I'm asking and that people are asking me, what involvement has the community played in your plan to service us? So all I want to do today is just say to the community, wake up, community. It is past time for us as taxpayers to become consumers of the taxes that we spend. I'm going to give you a classic example, and I'm going to bring it close to home and be personal. I was a school principal for 35 years. As a matter of fact, I guess fairly decent because I was inducted into the Clark County School District Hall of Fame. And what I find in this community and communities all over the United States is we as citizens do not approach the education of our children from an economic perspective. We do not approach it as taxpayers because if, they, if we did, we would realize that we are the people who pay the taxes, that pay the salaries, that build the buildings and run the programs in the school district. And to be more specific, if you were go to the Walmart grocery store and they would say to you, you can only shop in hours one and two, you're infuriated. So what we need to do is become consumers of system that we're all a part of, of the, of the school system that we're all a part of. All of the systems in our life that we pay for, we need to become more proactive in giving input as to how our tax dollars are spent for schools, community centers, and everything else. So all we want to do today is share information with you about things we see happening in our community. We'd like to invite you as participants to share with us how you feel about that. And we understand that there is a group of citizens who have appeared appealed to the library board indicating that they need more information about the upcoming uh, project that will uh, ultimately close the library at uh, 951 West
1: Lake
3: Mead Boulevard. So citizens have been told some were told check the 100 plan others were told well we're going to have a meeting the library district says and we're going to have a meeting on September 22nd at 2 o'clock. So I understand that the response of some of the citizens. Well, what citizens do you think could come at at 2 o'clock in the day in the middle of the week? You need to have more meetings. So it's my understanding now, I'm only sharing the information I received. The response to the library district is, okay, we'll have more than one meeting. We'll have one at 2 o'clock on the 22nd. We'll have one at 3 o'clock. On the 22nd and we'll have one at 4 o'clock on the 22nd well we're going to do it on saturday morning on saturday afternoon and maybe some church next weekend will do it in their church after services next week so more of the community will have an opportunity to get input and receive information about what's going on so we're going to open our lines right now and if there are listeners who like to comment maybe there's someone for example Last week, I was sitting in an activity. I was a judge for the uh, African American uh, History Bowl, and I I sat down at a table as a judge, and a young gentleman sitting next to me, I didn't know him. I'd never met him before. He said, my name is Harris, and um, I'm uh, real excited about the fact that we're going to close up the West Las Vegas Library. He went on, and so there's so much misinformation, and it we no longer need to be miseducated, misunderstood, and misinformed. We're now looking for information. So if you want to share, this is your opportunity. Rodney, why don't you open the phone lines and see if uh, some of our listeners have some input. Rodney? Hello? Rodney? Hello? Rodney.
2: I am back. So one of the things about doing live radio uh, is that you discover that you're doing multiple things. Uh, You're working the board. You're uh, doing the commentary. And in this time of social media, you're also trying to stay up with the uh, social media comment, Um, Dr. G is a person that's always full of great information, and he has a way of delivering it that I know I could not. So I appreciate uh, Dr. G uh, for his comments. So I see that there are a lot of people uh, on the board, and I think Dr. G may have fallen off. So let me see if I can uh, bring him back in. I'm back. I'm back. All right. Yes, I thought I thought that was you. So thanks, Dr. G. So we, so for those of you who are listening, uh, listening on the phone, if you would like to ask a question, or if you have a comment, or maybe you have both. Um, please press the one on your uh, phone keypad, and that will notify me that you want to speak. Now, keep in mind that this is live radio. I will try to screen the calls as best as I can, uh, but if there is an errant call, uh, we will just deal with that and move on. So the topic that we're discussing today is the West Las Vegas library uh the potential move or the proposed move from its current location into I believe the enterprise zone in Legacy Park at least that's Rodney? the information that I have so far. Rodney? And so yes sir.
3: Okay, uh I I hear, I hear you talking. So um and I'm I'm sure you have some listeners so Maybe uh, persons may not be ready to to say anything. So if if it's all right with you, as I indicated from the outset, as an old radio man, I know the significance of dead air. So if it's all right with you, uh, until we uh, get someone else who's willing, I'd like to speak as a parent, if it's all right with you. All right. Now, if you have a listener who calls in, and says they'd like to share or ask a question, we'll be happy to yield to them. Okay, of Las Vegas. I don't live in the West Las Vegas, but I am an African-American. I'm, I'm a black man, and when I moved to Las Vegas, my oldest son was graduating from college at the time. So most of my children were older children when I got here. All of my younger children did go to public schools in Las Vegas. And when my grandchildren came along, and I, I used to take my children to activities in the West Las Vegas theater, and we, I used to take them to the West Las Vegas Library on the weekend to do homework and to participate in uh, a wide variety of activities. Uh, we had the Black Leadership Training. We had a, a program that my my sons participated in. And so there were a lot of activities that my children were able to participate in uh, at the West Las Vegas Library Theater. So as a parent, I realized the significance and importance of of the West Las Vegas uh, Library as a resource and and a a place for children. I I happen to know that on the block that that particular facility is located, there are three schools that are across the street from the the library. There's one in front of it, there's one to the right of it, and one behind it. Schools and children who use that library on a regular basis. And I remember, while I indicated none of my children went there, my grandchildren went to Andre Agassi. And I, I said to my children, I would like to see you send your children to Andre Agassi so that they can have some experience of growing up in the African-American community and hopefully be able to learn some of our history and our culture. And my grandchildren went to Andre Agassi, and in the evening, as grandparents do, as I had to go up, my children up after school, sometimes I'd run late. I'd say, well, look, go into the library, and when I get there, I'll call you and let you know that I'm, I'm here to pick you up. So this, this is my own personal experience. So this library and this facility has been a resource and a facility to me and to, to my family. And I want to see this resource be available to generations of African Americans in that community to come. Now, I'm not anti-progress. I love the idea that we're getting a 21st century library. I don't hear them uh, closing up any other libraries in in the city. But, you know, when they built that library, they really didn't have our best interest in, in mind. They gave us this little small space. But now we're getting a new 21st century library, and it's my understanding that the city of Las Vegas has entered into an agreement with the library district to give the library district land in the legacy park. And in turn, the library district will give the land that the library and the theater on for the city's use. So now it's my understanding to this point that's what's supposed to happen. But now the question that I'm getting from other citizens and the question I want to ask is what is the city's plan to continue to utilize this most valuable facility to us and to enhance it. That's all we're asking. What are you going to do with this property and how you're going to enhance it? I, I dispel the the idea that I've heard they're going to tear down the bill of parking lot for the for the basketball court. I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think they're going to do away with the uh, theater. So we still have these great facilities. So we're going to have to. And I haven't mentioned the Art Center. One of the key most significantly functioning parts of that whole complex is the Art Center. And what makes it unique is that the Art Center, which is all a part of that complex, is actually owned and run by the city. So the Las Vegas Art Center, which is probably one of the most dynamic, cultural at uh, centers for African-American life and history and uh, training of the arts on, on a regular and consistent basis. Of course, now, I, I'm making it sound like it's a very significant place, but the city of Las Vegas doesn't feel it's significant enough to be open every day. It's only open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay, so, I mean, we've got a great facility, and they only only in it for three or four days a week. I mean, that's a facility that could take care, take over the whole complex. And, and just think about the tremendous uh, explosion in arts. And we, we could begin, we could make that center a, a computer center. We could make it a, a training center for youth. We could make it a training center for senior citizens. We could use it 24 hours. We could have classes for senior citizens every morning from seven to nine. We could have uh, people who want to learn how to be carpenters, plumbers, any kind of skills. They could start classes at midnight. I've been in facilities where where schools are open 24 hours a day. We're a 24 hour community. There are people who work shifts that get off at midnight. They're looking for some place to go and something that they could do to improve their life. This is the perfect place. I heard that they're interested in making it a development for uh, incubator on business eight. Hey, Lord knows we need business. One of the uh, basic objectives of the Sam Smith Foundation is to create a series of community activities designed to promote unity, self-determination, to facilitate collective work and responsibility, to develop our operative uh, operation, to be more effectively economically, and to work in support of one another and to build black businesses and support black businesses. And we want to inspire purpose and motivate all citizens to identify their God-given talent and thank God for that talent. So as a parent and as, as a tax-paying citizen, see this very valuable, significant piece of property in our community. And I don't want it to look like Jackson Street in 10 years. Okay. And I, I think that we as a community need to step up now take some action and say what we want to see happen at that facility.
2: So, Dr. G., we actually have
3: uh, someone
2: that would like to uh, pass a few words with us, and uh, some people may know her as Annika Johnson, uh, but I will bring her onto the line, and she has to go, so she uh, says she'd be able to listen for a little while, but let's bring her in and Let her speak for herself. Good afternoon, sister.
4: Greetings, greetings. Yes, this is Omiyale Jube, a.k.a. Annika Johnson. Um, Greetings to you, Rodney. Greetings to Dr. G. We've been talking this last week or so about this issue. I I do have to go. I apologize, but I have a couple of quick things I'd like to say. Number one, we're having this meeting with the library um, district, on the 22nd. Again, ridiculous that they gave us three meetings on the same day, Um, no weekend for people that that are working or or after hours. But at any rate, it seems to me that we need to be meeting with the city. It seems like, um, and I I don't know for sure, but it seems like the plans are already moving forward to give the facility to the city. So I think that we need to initiate some meetings with the city. A concern there, again, is the city has not been very helpful or useful with their their, uh, dealings with the art center already, always with the restrictions and the limitations. We've watched this for years. At any rate, we need to know what their plans are and and to give them our suggestions. The other rumor about giving the uh, facility to someone for a dollar, if that is so, then we need to have those people part of the discussion and so we can know um, what possibilities are there. So basically those are my my two comments. A training center would be awesome. It would be awesome so that that facility could be utilized and make good use of it, and then we would still have our theater. So those are my comments. Just wanted to share. Um, I will be there on, I believe it's next Saturday, at the community meeting at the West Las Vegas Arts Center. Thank you. So That's all uh, we'll I have to say. Thank you guys. And okay, be safe care.
2: out there. And thanks for your comments. Absolutely. All right. Have a great day. That's thank you. Question. And if anyone else would like to comment, once again, the number uh, to call in for those of you who are listening uh, through the computer is 516-531. 9535 five. once again that's 516-531-9535 five, five. and uh, when you would like to speak uh, press one on your keypad and that will uh, it's like raising your hand in zoom for those of you who uh, use zoom and it lets me know that you want to that you want to chime in and then when you're done also press the one and that will lower your hand otherwise you get stuck in here with me and Dr. G. Uh, So if anyone else, uh, I see we have actually quite a few people who are listening in. So if anyone else would like to chime in, once again, press that one on your keypad. Uh, Dr. G, you mentioned that you were part of who helped bring the uh, library theater here. And what? I can tell you, I've been to the theater. And I'm from New York, you know, home of Broadway. And I can say that the best play that I have seen in my life was actually at the West Las Vegas Library Theater. It truly was the best play that I've ever seen. And that was probably 20 years ago or close to it. And it's still one of the best plays that I've ever seen. And that was right there at the West Las Vegas uh, Library Theater. Had there not been that Library Theater, the group that put on the performance might not have had a venue to train and put on that performance. The name of the play was called Hiram and Nettie. Hiram and Nettie. I believe it was written by, uh, I think his name is After Anderson, I believe one of the best plays ever. As a matter of fact, I hope that they'll reprise it. And the ensemble that put on uh, this particular event was an ensemble of mostly non-professional actors and singers and actresses. It was Tory Russell uh, and his partner had put together an idea that you could reach within the community and find talent to put on world-class production. And I'll submit to you that Hireman Nettie was something at least worthy for Broadway, and it was done in the West Las Vegas uh, Library Theater. Uh, Many of you know in February that the late, great, and I call him King Franklin G. uh, Verley, uh, former radio personality from KCEP, 88.1, where we are one, Franklin G., started Kemet in the Desert, and the West Las Vegas Library Theater was where that was put on, I believe, uh, for the last five years, and since his transition, um, Brother LJ has carried the torch and has continued to bring in world-class scholars to share their knowledge with us. If there wasn't the West Las Vegas Library Theater, we may not have been able to bring those type, and I say we as the collective we from the community, may not have been able to bring those type of productions. Our children may not have received whatever learning and knowledge and information that they did because they might not have been able to go to the Smith Center, assuming that they could have even had a production like that at the Smith Center or at one of the larger venues downtown. We had it right in our own community. That's the power of having venues like that in our community. And remember, if you all want to chime in, and we hope that you do, because this is supposed to be a community discussion, because Dr. G and I, we can chop it up offline all the time and anytime. <laughs> so we really hope you all will will chime in. And, and one of the reasons why I say that is many times officials, when they hold meetings, In other words, they actually let you know that there's going to be a meeting and they post it. They say when they look into the audience, they don't see their constituency. The black electeds who are typically but not always primarily elected from uh, the majority black communities or black-influenced communities will say when they look out for public comment, there's no one to represent us. And so when you're not there, is a sign to the elected official that either you're okay with whatever they're doing or that you're ambivalent. You don't care. And what that means is those who show up are the ones who have the say. And what we wanted to do today was within ourselves, something that we could do for ourselves, establish input an opportunity for the community to speak. And so if you all would like to say something, please hit the one on your keypad
3: dr g okay uh thank you thank you very much rodney uh i just like to e- elaborate on uh where, where we might be able to go from this from the perspective that you just shared i mean okay we we have the Kemen in the in the desert we have a, a wide variety of um african american historical events during Black History Month. Uh, We've got a calendar now that's available that's replete with activities and events primarily uh, centered in the library the theater and the art center uh, during this month celebrating African American history. We do the Sankofa series and then in the library theater uh, we have uh, our Rites of Passage program. We uh, have uh, a lot of cultural arts uh, that we train in the art center and produce shows for the for the theater. So there is a need for us to find a way of enhancing our involvement in and support for the development of the arts from an Afrocentric perspective. You know, the biggest problem problem we're confronted with uh, in our society today Is the, the Reassurgence Of uh, the Racist dominance That led to a war in this country You know there was a war Fought in this country Over slavery Which is uh, the, the, the Original mortal sin of, of this country And we survived that But however Those who survived it the story and twisted it to their benefit. And as African-Americans in, in this country, uh, as far as our culture, our history, and our art, for myself, I, I okay, so I'm called Dr. Gurier. That means I have a doctorate, correct. But what that doctorate means is that I'm dead to my people. I'm a product of a historical black I, I, I went to a historical black college for my undergraduate work. So I have a good foundation. I, I worked in an African, grew up in an African-American community, and I studied at a historical black college. And then I got my doctorate from a very prestigious southern institution of higher learning. And what I learned from the experience of getting that doctorate degree, they were convinced that I was a white man they had not been convinced that they had indoctrinated me, they would not have conferred that degree on me. As a matter of fact, as I sit here today sharing that with you, if they knew that I would be sitting here today sharing that with you, they would not have conferred that doctorate degree upon me. What we have to do, as I always say, we cannot expect any other individual organization, or institution to do for us what we must do for ourselves. And community, if you want to just sit by and listen and say nothing and do nothing, then that last word will be what you will get in the end. Frederick Douglass was correct. The first black man to run for the president of the United States He said, power conceives nothing without a demand, never has, and never will. And until we get to the point where we demand some recognition, appreciation, and opportunity for us to promote our history and our culture, it ain't going to happen. Because the war is underway again, just like it was back in 1861 when they started shooting they're shooting today too they're not shooting bullets yet or oh, they were on january 6th but today they're shooting at the essence of us as a people the system of education in place in this country and that same system that gave me the doctor's degree is a system that systematically denies us the history the, the information about the history the culture and the contributions that African people have made to this country and to this world. And we are African Americans. And it is to begin to better define what that means and what that means to us. Because if we say strictly that we are Americans, then you are what they taught you in school. And what they taught you in school is to hate yourself if you are not white because the system of education in 99.9999% of the schools in this country are Eurocentric in their approach, which means that they are designed solely and exclusively for the aggrandizement of the white Anglo-Saxon male Protestant, not even his women. It was 1920 before white women got the right to vote in this country, and the the... Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Abraham Lincoln signed an executive order. We've had some recent experience about what executive orders are. The Abraham Lincoln was president. He signed an order saying the slaves in the southern cities in the southern states who were, who were enslaved by the Confederacy he didn't The Emancipation Proclamation didn't include all of the slaves. The 13th Amendment did that. And, ladies and gentlemen, it's the 13th Amendment that gives us the right to vote, gives all black people in this country the right to vote. And let me tell you, let me give you an idea of the time that we are living in. We could not get the 13th Amendment passed today. We could not have gotten the 13th Amendment passed 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 100 years ago. We couldn't get it done in 1965, 66, 67, 68, when we got all of those major bills that made some some temporary changes for us. We could not have gotten the 13th Amendment passed. But yet Abraham Lincoln was able to get it passed. And how did he do it? It was simple. He knew that his Emancipation Proclamation was simply an executive order. And once he was out of office, that executive office, the next president, countermanded. So what Abraham Lincoln did, he went about institutionalizing the freedom of African Americans and giving them the ability to vote. And he knew that the only way that would happen would be in the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution. And he got that amendment through. Well, Wait a minute, how did he get it through? Well, what was happening at the time? It was at the end of the Civil War. It was at the end of the Civil War. And the South had succeeded from the Union. So the South was not a part of the United States when the 13th Amendment was passed. Rodney tells me we have a call. Okay, Rodney. We'll take yes, with so the question.
2: We have a gentleman that many people may know uh, from his illustrious acting career and wound up settling down right here in Las Vegas, I believe, has even participated in events and performances at the West Las Vegas uh, Arts Center. Someone I grew up watching, I, I want to say it's Starsky and Hutch, but I'm not sure uh, which TV series it was, plus others. But a gentleman of our community here in Las Vegas now, uh, Mr. Antonio Farkas. Welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Rodney and uh, well, most, most, thank you, Dr. Gourier. Um, uh, I, I wanted to continue listening because I am, I am certainly humbled by, by being in the presence of the history that Dr. Gourier has been able to impart uh, to our listeners and to the community. I came here 16 years ago and found the West Las Vegas Art Center. I call that my home. That is sacred ground. How uh, the uh, Las Vegas Art Center and that theater that Dr. Gourier was able to well into existence, along with Wendell T. Williams and others, has been like the child. This is the place where we can express ourselves. This is um, the whole the whole area between uh, grounds between the art center and the and the library is a place where where we meet. Uh, for 16 years, I've been working with the Las Vegas Art Center. We have a, a a camp that goes on where we teach young people the value of the arts through the African American and our ancestors' experience, and that is such a vital place that I I, I couldn't imagine not having a theater in that theater to continue that that work and also to repurpose that library to our benefit uh, it's wonderful to have a wonderful library and let it depart, and that's where it's going to go but that ground has got to be preserved and I will do anything asked of me to support of that and I would like to continue to listen to Dr. Gourier. thank you well
3: Thank you very much for uh saving me from getting carried away. And <laughs> I, I'm really happy that you called. Uh as Rodney said, everybody knows about the huggy well. Those of us of certain ages, you know, being a person uh approaching four score, uh I I I, I can relate a little better. But thank you very much, uh, Mr. Antonio Fargas for joining us. And and I know Antonio it's kind of like the titular godfather of the West Las Vegas Art Center. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. I don't expect you to answer this, Antonio. Don't even try. <laughs> but Antonio Fargas, now you're involved, very involved with the Las Vegas Art Center. Can you explain to me why it's so significant and important an aspect of our community as a place that trains, develops, and imparts our culture and our heritage And our art to our community, the city only opens three or four days a week. I mean, what's that all about? That's a rhetorical question. But that's another (laughs) kind of problem we need to address. As as we look at what we want to do, what we want to get from this community, we need for the city of Las Vegas, I mean, we're taxpayers, okay? This goes back to what I was talking about earlier, about us being consumers. I think as we look at this picture And we step back and look at the broader picture and step back even further and see the million dollars that's planned to be spent to build up the basketball court. Now, that's my understanding that they're going to spend up to a million dollars on a basketball court, but yet they don't have the money to run the art center for two or three days a week. Come on, something's something's out of balance here, okay? And we have really not had – Representation who in, in in this city that really has shown to me a genuine interest in African American life and history. And as I said, and, and the reason why I'm here this afternoon sharing my passion with you is I realize we cannot expect anybody else. Sometimes, even if they look like us, colored. We cannot expect anyone else to do for us what we need to do for ourselves. So we have to step up as a community and say this is what we want. We want to see our art center more effectively utilized. As a matter of fact, the art center has the potential of taking over the entire complex. I mean, if they're training uh, youngsters uh, just two or three days a week and doing all these great performances in the theater, the, uh, theater, just think if we could open the Arts Center five days a week and we, we could deal with more, um, uh, uh, a wider variety of arts, particularly as it relates to our African-American culture. Go on, uh, Antonio. I think you might have wanted yeah, to say the, something else.
5: The, the theater has always been used for dance and uh, not only just for the programs of the, of the Arts Center, but it is a, a, a center where African-American dance companies can come in and, and display their work for, for the youth. Uh, I believe that, that comp- it should be a complex that involves, that involves the art center in a, in a way that, uh, that continues. Because for 25 years, over 25 years, the art center has made a way out of no way and has made a significant uh, impact in so many of the young people that I've seen you know, come through there in the last 16 years, who's continually to say that this is where they got it from. And so it's very important that this continues, that we continue to work. We've made a way out of just those three days or five days a week that, it, that it's been open. But yes, it should be enhanced. It's not just about the, the wonderful work that, uh, that they put in the basketball court, but that, 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 that building and the building that's going to be vacated as The library, the books move to Legacy Park should be Repurposed to, In a cultural way To keep enhancing Our young people in that community That's all I have well, I, I, I believe
3: in, in the philosophy Asking you shall receive And I I've been in the Las Vegas community For over 30 years now And I'm impressed with the interest and willingness of this community to be supportive of the arts. Look right down the street in zip code 89106. You'll find the Smith Center, a multi-million dollar facility built at the snap of a finger. So there are people in this community, I think, who we can enfranchise and who would join us and be supportive in finding, trying to find ways of developing. Uh, more talent from an artistic perspective in the African-American community. The only thing you get out of life is what you ask for. So I'm asking you to uh, step up and and join with us as we try to find like-minded people in the community who are willing to um, be supportive of our effort. And I know we've got like about three minutes left. So Rodney, thank, thank you very much for facilitating this for us, and you can wrap it up.
2: So before we go, and I want to thank Antonio Farkas for taking time out out of his schedule to spend with us. And for those of you who may only know him as a television persona, let this be an indication to you that he is much more than that. He is a man of the community, a man of his people because he's on this show right now and he could be doing other things and he is taking an interest in it. So brother Antonio before if if I even may address you that way, I apologize if I spoke out of turn. No. I did want to ask you though you could have settled in a whole bunch of places. And sister Gwen, I see you uh have your hand up. I will bring you in after I get this response from uh, Mr. Parkers, but you sir, you could have settled in a whole bunch of places, and wherever you settled, you could have left at any time. I am curious, while we have you on the line and we're talking about the arts and its significance, what is it about Las Vegas that sort of compelled you to stay here and also take an interest in the arts with our young and sometimes not so young people? What, what's your impetus of oh, that?
5: We we talk about you know it's time to give it away. Uh, I was winding up or looking at and winding up my career in Los Angeles and and and, and my journey. And I wanted to find a place that uh, that one had had the had theater uh, and uh, I didn't even know what it was. I, I feel I was ancestor directed to find to find us to find Las Vegas. My wife and I, we came here looking to start, to start, continue, to look out, to wind down my career, and figure out how I could, how I could give back to the community that that, 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 that would that would take us in. And when I found the, the African American community, a thriving African community, community community, with such rich rich history, I felt that, like I said before, I felt that I had found home and purpose. And so my primary purpose is to share what I have. And I, when I got here, I stand on the shoulders of Walter Mason, who was, who was influential in my life as a 17-year-old when I was traveling in Europe doing a play. He was there. And when I got here, he was, he was the artistic director of the Art Center. And so I was apprenticed again um, to be able to uh, make my shoulders strong as he made his shoulders strong to, to take through for me to stand on. So it's a tradition and I'm just so blessed that I've been able to find this home here in Las Vegas and to have a purpose in terms of giving and giving these young people an opportunity to grow and to learn through the arts about how to survive in this, uh, hostile world that we live in. Hmm.
2: Well, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we're going to, and you you can stay on the line if you like. Continue to listen. Uh, normally we would wrap up right now, but we have so many callers. Um, I'm, I know I want to get to at least
3: one more, and I know Sister Gwen has been okay, waiting Rodney. patiently. Yes, sir. Rodney. Okay. Okay, uh, since we're going to be able to to uh, time that I, I make this announcement, that unlike some people just have one get together, one discussion, one time and that suffices. We're 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 going to practice what we preach. So we're giving the community an opportunity to share uh their reaction today at this time. But we're going to move to another time and another place. Next Saturday morning, Saturday, February 19th, I think it is. Uh is that next Saturday? Yes. What's the date of next Saturday? The 19th. Well, next Saturday at uh, 11 o'clock, we are going to continue this discussion in the West Las Vegas Arts Center. So if you're listening today, you have some ideas, you want to talk with people in the community, you want to share or encourage other people to get involved in the discussion, we are going to continue this discussion next Saturday morning at 11 a.m. in the West Las Vegas Art Center in the facility that we're talking about today. We're located at 947 West Lake Mead Boulevard. So please share that with your friends and family. Next Saturday morning, 11 o'clock, the West Las Vegas Art Center, we're continuing the discussion about what we wanna see happen in our cultural center. Thank you, Rodney. Yes, and uh,
2: so, I see that there's one more hand up, and if anybody else wants to get in, now is the time to put your hands up uh, because uh, right now I see just one other person i'm going to this is as uh, Mr. Farkas was talking about, uh, Mr. Mason and what he meant to him. Uh, here's a, 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 a young woman who has been involved in history a good portion of her life, if not the majority of her life. Even so far as to have a uh, to start a museum to recognize those who had gone uh, come before us to ensure that those who come after us still be grounded in their work as uh, Mr. Fark has just mentioned. So, without any further ado, I would like to introduce you all to someone that is very important to me,
0: uh, Sister Gwen Walker.
2: Welcome to the show, Gwen.
0: Well, thank you very much, and uh, good afternoon, gentlemen, Dr. G. and uh, Rodney. I really appreciate you all doing this show this afternoon. And uh, like Dr. G. and Wendell P., I, too, was on that committee that met when talking about bringing in the West Las Vegas Arts Center. So, you know, we were very pressed in wanting to make sure that we had a facility in our community that could house all of the the cultural activities. You know, some didn't want to see it happen because they were only giving us such a small facility. But I think the vote won over saying let's take something instead of not having anything. And that's how the West Las Vegas Art Center came about. Now, with today's issue and the fact that the library will be moving to the Martin Luther King location, Um, I, too, am in favor of making the Art Center much larger to accommodate the many, many plays and different activities that will come to the community. And as we all know, every time there's a play, there's standing room only. So we definitely need the Art Center and we need the staff that we have there that has made it such a great success over these last few years. So with that, gentlemen, I'll bow out and I'll continue to listen. But, yes, we must keep our West Las Vegas Art Center and expand it so we can accommodate many more, many more cultural events coming to our community. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Sister Gwen. Wow. Dr. G, you are bringing some powerhouses out today uh, within the community. And I do want to touch base on that community piece once again, and and Dr. G, you mentioned it earlier. What I did recognize is that until Sister Gwen called in, um, and maybe, and I do see there's a bunch of callers that we do have that are not, don't have the hand up to speak, and I don't know how many are listening through the internet, but it goes back to what I was saying before with the elected officials, is that when they do have meetings to talk about things that are significant to our community, that there tend to be very few people present. And I wanted to share a little bit about why that's important. And I would say, as we're talking about, as many are looking forward to the Super Bowl, what would happen? if one of the teams didn't show up, who would win? Well, obviously that would be a forfeiture and the team that did show up would win. And life, especially when it comes to things political are very similar to that. You have to be present, you have to show up. If you don't show up, if you do not show up, then whoever does show up are the ones who have access to the floor they're the ones who get to be heard and when the
5: people
2: the people who are heard i often that is the direction in which the elected officials are being pushed to go so we have to show up and so This show was to inform the community, and I do see a lot of people on on the call listening, and thank you for that, because that's encouraging to me. Now we just have to take showing up here and showing up when they do have the library meeting, uh, when Dr. G does convene uh, another community meeting, but an in-person meeting uh, next week. Tell your friends, tell your associates, tell other people in the physical community. And then one final note about community. People, to Dr. G's point, will say, Rodney, you're not from the community. What do you know about what our needs are? Or the people who are doing the talking for the community often are not from the community. And we need people from our community to speak for us. These are just some some of the things that I hear. And to a certain extent, I agree with the tenor of it. Obviously, a but, a caveat is coming. Physics, we hear that nature abhors a void, and will violently fill that void. It has to be filled. When our community, the people in the physical community, don't come present to address these significant issues, that leaves a void. And typically, if those people who are not for the community don't fill that void, then other people who may not emphasis on may, may not have the community's best needs at heart. And they may bring forth an idea, sometimes not necessarily to hurt, but it's their perspective. And maybe sometimes it is to hurt. But if we're not there, if we don't show up, if we're not dressed up for the game, if we're not ready to get on the field of play or battle, if you will, uh, shout out to the general for that last, if you will, uh, But if we're not there, if we don't show up, we have no way of winning. We have no way of sharing our voice, typically, if we're not there. We have to be present. Now, today we're lucky. I know people like Sister Gwen, who may not be able to get out as often as she wants, and she's often implored me (laughs) to uh, do things digitally uh, when I do things in the person-to-person space so that she can participate. And so, Sister Gwen, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this today is so that you can participate, and I see that you did. You asked for it, and then you showed up. Thank you. Because then it makes it easier for me when other people ask me to do things that I can do it. But keep in mind, I am not from Las Vegas, though I have been here since the early 80s. I'm from Brooklyn. But this is my home now. I have adopted this as my home. This is my village. These are my people. This is my family. And when people say, "Well, you're not from here," what do you care? I care because you're my people, and I hope that you see me as one of yours as well. And you are my family. Thank I you, right Here, so that we collectively can move forward and. Think about that void analogy. If someone else was holding this meeting right now who was from the community, then maybe this outsider or some identifier wouldn't be doing it. So we're doing it because we love it. And so I looked up the definition of community. And community is not just a physical place. A community is where we gather. You can gather a community on the phone a chat room on the internet, wherever we gather, that is our community. A community can be a state of mind, and I have a blackness state of mind. So I would like to think that we are all in that community. So this discussion today, as put forth by Dr. G, was about the move of the West Las Vegas Library and really what was going to happen to the theater and the Art Center, and it was a community discussion. So to the community that showed up, uh, Brother Antonio Farkas, uh, Sister Gwen, uh, uh, Sister uh, Annika, okay. thank you for showing up, and please spread this. This link is going to be saved, so this show is was recorded, and you could pass the link around, and for those who may not have uh, have been able to listen today While they're on their drive back and forth They can just uh, hit it And they can replay the show So uh, Thank you all for showing up And I will give it Turn it over to um, Dr. G For closing remarks
3: Thank you very much Rodney You showed your true purple heart uh, Rodney is a member of our community He is a beloved member of, of our community He has Put his life on the line In serving military service For our country And uh, he has been Rewarded for injuries In his service to this country With a Purple Heart But I guarantee you that heart Defeats in Rodney Smith is uh, True red-blooded And uh, not only Has Rodney offered himself in service to the country in combat. He has also offered himself in service by um, putting himself up as a candidate for political office. So Rodney has has, uh, definitely earned a significant place in, in our society and from a cultural perspective probably one of the most significant ongoing cultural events that we have in our community called the Gathering. And um we both, from the outset of our uh, activity, which is sponsored by the Samuel L. Smith Educational Foundation, it was Sam Smith who called his friend Rodney and said, I'd like for you to go to lunch with me. And he and Rodney got together for lunch at uh, Nevada Partners one day, and uh, Sam said to Rodney, I want you to start a group where we get people together every Friday for lunch. And for the last seven years, Rodney's been doing that. And after about four or five years, people say, well, what in the heck are you calling this group? He said, well, Sam told us just to have a gathering, and that's what it's called. And it's become historically significant in our community, a forum for uh, citizens of all race, color, creeds, national origin, and political persuasion to come together to sit down and talk about what's happening in our community. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I I, want to thank Rodney for his own personal effort in creating and sponsoring the Our Own Voices. And um, in conclusion, I really like the analogy that Rodney shared about the football game. And we've been playing a football game for a very long time. And we, as black folks, seem that doesn't show up. Therefore, we get whatever they want to give us. But now we're becoming more knowledgeable, more astute, and we need to become more actively involved in the decisions that are made in our community. I spoke earlier about us becoming more consciously aware and becoming more consumer-minded there is a more basic rudimentary method of involvement and support that we can give to our community. It's a very simple one. And it's one that I would hope that everybody who is in my listening voice takes heed to. You must register and vote. The democratic system that is in power in this country Is like anything else If you don't use it you, you, you lose it And state legislators Across the United States In this new Civil war that's being Conducted against us One of the things that they're doing Is they are purging roles Of people who have registered years ago And didn't vote So if you Are not a registered voter there is a way for you to support us you may not be able you may be listening you may not be able to make a contribution or feel that you can make a contribution the one thing you can do to help us is register to vote next saturday when we have our meeting at the west las vegas Arts center at 11 o'clock inviting the community to come out and share their concerns we will have a registered voter there Every function that the Samuel L. Smith Educational Foundation has, we have a voter register present because that is the path can truly demand, as Frederick Douglass says, what we want, and that's by our vote. So if you're not a registered voter, I need for you to register, and when it comes time for the election, I need for you to vote. So next Saturday, if you're not a registered voter, come with your driver's license, whatever information you have, we will register, we will sign you up. We're in the process of establishing a process where we, people, we sign up and register to vote, we will help them get to the polls. If they need a ride, if they need somebody to help them, and if we don't use it, we'll lose it. They're closing polling places. They're passing laws saying you can't give somebody in a voting registration line a bottle of water. Now, that doesn't sound like something that we as black folks would do. But in fact, in some states, particularly in Georgia, they have passed laws saying you can't give people in line to vote. They are closing polling places in black communities. The, the, the onslaught is, is amongst us, ladies and gentlemen, The only way we're going to be able to do that is to register now. And when it comes time for vote, we really need for our voices to be heard. When we voted to elect Barack Obama, they didn't like that. There was a tremendous backlash, and we can see by the kind of president we got after that. Now we've elected a woman as vice president, A. there's going to be additional backlash, and we see. Look at the problem. Educating, I told you earlier, it, it, the, the system of education teaches us to hate ourselves in a very subliminal fashion. That's the school district. They, they, it, right now today, and in the 35 years of schooling I had, that system systematically excluded information about the history, the culture, and the contributions that black folks have made. Even in the historical black colleges that I attended, there was no constructive program teaching me about the history of African American people. And now they're saying, well, wait a minute. We don't even want you to teach white kids anything about that. Critical race theory is just a farce. Nobody's teaching critical race theory. And nobody's teaching anything about African history, African American culture, or anything about Africa. But the thought is fearful for them, because knowing your history, as the Honorable Marcus Garvey said, a man without a knowledge of his history, roots, and culture is like a tree without roots. Let us grow roots, grow strong. See you next Saturday at the West Las Vegas Art Center at 11 a.m. as we continue our conversation. Thank you, Rodney. God bless you all. Peace and blessings. Did I drop? Did I drop, Rodney?
2: Well, everyone, that was the indomitable Dr. G. And, um, I appreciate you all for listening today. Thank you. And oh, I see, I see, we got hands up in the room. We were actually getting ready to end the show. Uh, let me see if I could bring the folks on really quickly and see what we see what we have. Good afternoon. You're on our own voices live. We're talking about the West Las Vegas library, uh, closure. Did you have a question or comment?
6: Yeah, I was going to make a comment on what the, uh, lecturer was speaking. You say his name is Dr. G.
2: Dr. Gurrier, Al Gurrier.
6: Yeah. Is he, is he available for, or for a comment?
2: Uh, you can he he, uh, he is offline right now, but you can say whatever you have to say, and he can address it later because it is
6: being recorded in the podcast. What did you have? Well, I was going to say what he said wasn't true. He made comment on Georgia's voter reform law, and I think that's really uh, saying that you can't get a get a bottle of water while in line. That is just not true. I've got Georgia voter reform law, and it doesn't say anything about that. And that is really disingenuous to be telling people it. I mean, then we make effort. Well, this is for black people. Well, should that not that particular ethnic group of Americans be uh, afforded the truth?
2: Sir, what's your first name?
6: My name is Pianchi, Pianki. P I A N K I.
2: Pianki.
6: Uh, I remember you called into the
2: show uh, previously um
6: thank well, you well it depends Deontay. on the top it depends on the topic matter i would have called in yeah uh,
2: well appreciate that we extended the show just to close it out but i saw that you had your hand up so i did do want you to have a comment, comment on that
6: what i just said uh
2: no sir i do not what i will ask you to do though is in the chat section if you could post that i did Okay, and then uh, I'll take a look at it, and I'll leave a comment there. And thank you so much for calling in. Appreciate you listening. Have a good weekend. All right, I see one more, one more caller.
0: Gwen, did you, yeah, Gwen, did you want to comment? Oh, I did. I did have my hand up, but uh, I was. Uh, going to say before was when having future meetings and especially meetings that you might have for uh, meeting with the city or any other agency that we make sure that we pass the word along. Because when you talk about with, with your example of the football game and us not being present, a lot of times the information has not been given to the masses as what I've experienced with the city before, is that they are selective in who their mailers are sent to or who gets the email. So we have to, those of us that do get the information, we have to forward it to all of our friends. So if everyone that's listening will send it to at least 10 people and ask them to send it to at least 10 people, then we can get the word out. If you make a flyer about the meeting, I'm going to post it on my Facebook as well and then forward it to the 12 or 15 groups that I am linked to, but we have to spread the word ourselves. We cannot rely on uh, city government or any other agencies or organizations to get the word out. And also with the gentleman that just called at the end, um, as far as the water and what Dr. Gurrier has stated, I've listened to uh, shows and the news and where that information and that law was being pushed that they could not feed or give water to individuals in line in Georgia. So and and I know this show is for the library and it's not to be rebuttaling what our uh, hosts are saying. So in the future when you have individuals that come in and kinda of you bring that kind of distinction, just politely cut them off. Thank you, brother Rodney.
2: All right. You're welcome, Sister Gwen. Thank you so much for uh, chiming uh, in and sharing that. And I will – oh, and let me tell you, not only is Sister Gwen a historian, but she can throw down in the kitchen. Back East, we used to call it she can burn, and uh, that burning is a good thing. Not only can she, you know, do some, some, some greens and some yams and things like that, but she cooks a mean steak, and let's not forget that dessert, because if you all like bread pudding like I do, and I know some of you don't know what that is, but if you want to find out, you better ask somebody. And Sister Gwen definitely will be that person to ask. So thank you so much for breaking bread and and sharing that with me, Gwen. I, uh, that was quite touching. Thank you. Not um, a problem. Anytime. All right, I see one more hand that just popped up. Where were you all earlier? All right, let's uh, try to get, and I think that's the last, yep, that's the last one. Let's uh, see who this is.
3: Hello, this all is Lisa right. you,
2: you, This is Rodney. You are on Our Own Voices Live. We're talking about the uh, West Las Vegas uh, Library movement, and you are our last call. Did you have a question or comment? And what's your first name?
7: Uh, my first name is Tashika.
2: Oh, Sister Tashika. Thank you so much for joining. I wish I could have got you on earlier. How much of the show did you hear?
7: Um, I got probably like the last 15, 20 minutes I sorry, was running. I was working on a proposal that just finally got over. Um, I
2: understand, Sister.
7: Um I really just wanted to be able to make a comment. Um, the guy who got on regarding the, um, the the Georgia registration and not people not being able to get water. Um, this my original comment was not about that, but that is some that is something that we see being passed along on the internet, and we have actually seen multiple locations banning um, banning registration, trying to move make and make it just more difficult. So um, I'd like to present for at least that person kind of have a reflective moment of their own. instead of providing um, a, a dissentive comment, I think it's going to be important for instead like for us to actually focus on those nuggets of truth. So if you know that that is incorrect, then please propose what, what grain of truth actually is truthful in those comments and then be able to help support instead of tear down. So I see that happening a lot, especially when people who are coming from inside are either outside of our community who have a different opinion, uh, want to make themselves more of a victim um, than actually just paying attention to the fact that our community is, is hurting And our community is struggling very hard. So instead of shining light on what you see as negatives, please bring something positive to the conversation instead. Um, I also love the fact that we're coming together and starting to address issues such as we have to have to show up. We have to support Sister Gwen. Thank you so much for being able to touch very uh, touch on that piece that I have. we our organization with this the historic west side revitalization is always trying to push which is the importance of information um, occasionally do we do receive notifications and our notifications may be a couple of hours before an event starts so thank you for the the thought of um, posting it in multiple places so that we can just encourage reposting to get the maximum amount of com- participation and That's all of the comments that I had.
2: Okay, thank you so much, Sister Tashikin. For those of you who may not know her, she is a powerhouse working in the community. I'm very thankful to have had the privilege to meet her previously at a couple of meetings and for her to join our efforts in informing uh, the community of what's going on, because that's what this is. It's not to necessarily say yay or nay or don't move it or to move it. It's simply to say People who are impacted, which I believe is all of Las Vegas, but for sure people of that community that surround the area should have some say-so, they, and they should be apprised of these things in advance. And so that's what this primarily what this effort was today, and this is how it will be uh, as we move forward into the meeting next week. Uh, as far as uh, I, I believe it's Pianche. Uh, I asked him to post the Whatever it is that he has I asked him to post it One because then it's in writing And so we're not arguing back and forth And let's see what the law Really is I mentioned an analogy earlier in the show About showing up and the voices That are heard But all too often It will be voices like his That show up that speak up and that are heard. There is no counter, or because people can say anything and back it up with nothing. What I've learned to do is instead of sort of confronting them head on, is just do something Sam said. And Sam used to say, where is it written? Because If it's not written, it don't mean anything. Where is it written? Let's see what that is. And then once we see what's on paper, then we can discuss it. Now, if a person is oblivious to what is in writing and refuse to believe what is before their eyes, then that's a whole different situation. And for sure, you will not find me debating, arguing, or going back and forth with them, because I think the old phrase is something is uh, one of the reasons why you should never argue with a fool is because they'll beat you with experience. And so that uh, let's let's see what it let's see what it is on paper and then we'll go on from there. So thank you sister Tashika for joining in. Uh, we did run over time today. But guess what? I actually planned that we might run over and that's why we have not been cut off, but we do need to end the show now. For those of you who are still listening, if you have Facebook, Please go to our Facebook page and leave a comment of what you thought about the topic, the show, me, Dr. G, or anyone else that has spoken uh, that gives us an opportunity to always improve and constant improvement is a successful life. We don't all get there at the same time. We may not all be at the same level, but it is the constant striving to reach that higher ground that makes us all better collectively. So once again, this show was today was a West Las Vegas library community discussion and primarily it was information about the moving of the library from its current location what's going to happen with the West Las Vegas Art Center as well as theater. Uh, I think we covered that. I believe everyone that according I'm looking at the board now I see no hands up so thank you all for listening and don't forget next week 11 o'clock at the Art Center Uh, Dr. G will convene another opportunity for us to come together and discuss this further. You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. I'm Rodney Smith in the air chair with Dr. Al Gourier, Dr. G. Thank you all for listening, and I look forward to reading your comments on Facebook. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great afternoon.